Doubt is eliminated through action, but it's the type of action that is important. So you got bored and decided to join the FBI or what happened? No, no, that was so, yeah, so the transition was 9-11. I was in, I was in the city at 9-11. I was doing a a business deal and we were, I was downtown and I'm not, you know, I'm not making this more dramatic than it is. I was about a couple of blocks away from where the rubble ended, right? So Mm -hmm. we, I was safe, but I walked a couple blocks south and, you know, then you would have seen it. So, you know, my brother-in-law worked in the towers so I called my sister and I said, Hey, where is he? And she, you know, he had quit his job a couple of days before he went in to pick up his final paycheck and say goodbye to everybody, you know, devastating. So I, I ran to the Upper East Side where my sister was. We did the whole thing, went through the hospitals, handed out the pictures. It was, mm. it was morbid. So and he lost his life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, oh. Yep. Yeah, he, he died. And so that's when, you know, he said, all right, this is, I've got to find a way back into this thing. Uh, so I went and got myself medically cleared, which is a whole nother fun story, uh, maybe for a different day. But, and then I applied to the usual suspects, the FBI and the CIA and, and the FBI it was, and I got to work, uh, counterterrorism in, out of New York city. And mm-hmm. it was awesome. Yeah. And that, so that was the turning point because I was happy in the private sector. Mm-hmm. You know, I had changed jobs. I was selling software at the time. Software was the big sales mm-hmm. thing. So everything was fine. I was happy, but you know, that was it. That was so what were the key differences between leading a SWAT team versus leading, you know, uh, a SEAL platoon? Well, so SWAT. Or in the cultures and the environment, you know, just. Yes. So, you know, look, I, I, I'm very honest about my late, at least my later experience in the FBI was the FBI is struggling from a leadership perspective. You know, they've, they don't have a good leadership culture. That said, I always make the caveat, some of the best leaders I've ever met and saw were in the FBI. Okay. And so that, that's a fact. It's just that they were a handful, right? In the the teams, if you're a bad leader, you stick out like a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Mm -hmm. the FBI, if you're a good leader, you stick out like a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. So from a SWAT perspective, right, that New York SWAT team was as good as, I mean, we, we were an excellent combat unit. What people don't realize is that's a collateral duty. Your mm-hmm. primary duty is still an investigator. So you're required to work your investigative cases, and then you've got to make sure that you have those cases, you know, up to, up to standard and up to snuff so you can go out and do your training and then the operations with the SWAT team. So it's people who are absolutely double committed because it's, they're taking time that they don't really have. Not Most of your time in the SWAT was training, right? You did, how many times did you, how much we time went, was training versus an actual incident response? We, we, we went out on a lot of operations in, yeah, in New York SWAT. So we would train, you had to train every other week. And then we took one or two weeks out of the year, I think one week out of the year, and then did a full week training. You know, I don't know what the numbers were, but you know, if, if two weeks went by where we didn't have an operation, that would be a lot. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot. There's, mm-hmm. there's usually something going on. And as you can imagine, it was, you know, New York so you just, you're on a pager or something like that. When it pings, you, you report to the team room and you got yeah. Stuff. So the, so the pagers, you know, we had cell phones. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> not quite as cool, but, <laughs> but we had cell phones. So. But yeah, yeah, that was it. And and usually there was there was only a couple where you get that quick call out, right? Because mm-hmm. you're in the city, right? So I could be in Brooklyn, you know, which is as the crow flies five miles and it'll take me an hour and a half to get back to the office. Right. So there's, there's not a whole lot of quick hits, but you might get one, you know, Monday night to say, we've got one tomorrow morning. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's usually the way it went down. And sometimes you had a couple. And who were, who were the targets mostly of your, uh, it was, so it was mostly, we did a lot of, uh, organized crime. So a lot of Italian organized crime and a lot of Russian organized crime. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, gangs, violent street mm-hmm. gangs. So, you know, the whole gamut, MS-13, Crips, Bloods, the whole mm-hmm. thing. So, you know, organized crime and gangs, they, we didn't get called out. Yeah, you know, we didn't get called out on the the CPA who stole a bunch of money or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I see. Not the white collar stuff. Yeah. No, not really. And your primary role, though, was an investigator. And so you were, you, you tell an interesting story in the book about how you were, you know, setting up or leading pitching and then leading an op to install some undercover operatives in this drug car, you know, the cartel basically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how you were having this great success, but the organization, the bureaucracy, or at least the bureaucratic leader above you just kept pushing back and messing things up and <laughs> just not supporting you. Yeah. So what were, what were your lessons there? How to navigate that when you don't have support from your entire chain of command? Well, and that, and the, and the point that I make very strongly is that for better, or for worse, the leader will dictate the environment. And that's what, that's what he did. He dictated the environment despite the successes we were having. You know, we had, you know, in the, in the SEAL teams, you learn to have big ideas, right? I got, I got an idea. I, I know how we can do this. And that's the spirit I bought to what I did. And I had a big idea for that, that gang that had just, decimated a neighborhood for years, certainly before I, I stepped into it. And it was a lot of big, aggressive drug buys and gun buys. And I was convinced I could get an undercover in there. I had recruited a well-placed source. We had access to everybody. And my plan was just a little out of the box, but for good reason, because the more conventional stuff hadn't worked. I was There's a playbook to be done on some of these cases. And so my boss, he heard what I had to say, and he very condescendingly went through the standard playbook for these types of, of um, operations. And I said, look, you're right. I said, but there's nothing but these things in the file. None of them worked. And here's why they didn't work. We have to change it up. That's not going to work because it's never worked. And, you know, that was the, that was the beginning of the end. You know, he didn't want me to do it. I convinced him to at least let me brief it. He was convinced it was going to get shot down. It didn't. That made him mad. Right. So now, now we've got that ego jumping in. And then I told him how much money I was going to request and and spend. And he said, that's ridiculous. That will never get approved. And then it did. And then it made it even more mad. And then we were starting to have some success. And he just, you know, I talk about the the example I use there is the emotional awareness and recognition, right? What Mm -hmm. emotions drive our actions. And if we are not emotionally aware of what we're doing, right, or or how we're feeling, then we are just going to act and we're going to act randomly. And the results might as well be left to the flip of a coin because Mm -hmm. you're not making conscious decisions. And that's where he was. Now I take responsibility because at some point I got so sick and tired of him doing this to me. Right. He was he was pitting 
teammates against each other. And when that happens, you're forcing people to take sides. Are they going to take my side? Or are they going to take the boss's side? They're, mm-hmm. you know, they, it's, they have to, they have to persevere. He poison, he poisoned the culture. Of the poisoned team. the whole thing. Yeah. So nobody, none of my teammates, none of the people who are assisting me in the investigation actively went against me. They didn't, they, they're like, good plan. We're, we're here. They were professional across the board, but the spirit was dead. Right. They didn't want to pitch in with the plan and throw ideas out there, be excited to try to do something else because they knew the boss hated this whole thing. So they just said, we'll wait till Errol puts the plan together and we'll crush it. But then we're out. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, so I just started to get this is where I could have taken my own advice. Right. Emotional awareness and recognition. For God's sakes, we were having success. I just should have let it go. Mm -hmm. Okay, we were getting things approved. We were doing operations. We were collecting intelligence. So instead of just letting it go and, and absorbing his criticisms for lack of a better term, I just one day said, you know, man, I said, I, I really need you to start disagreeing with me more. <laughs> he said, he said, what, what are you talking about? I said, because you're always wrong. I said, so I'm looking at this as my good luck charm. Every time you say I can't do something, it always works out. I didn't need to, that was immature. And I just poured <laughs> fuel. The bear. I just the poked bear. the bear and I didn't need that. It just was unnecessary. And then that, that, you know, escalated things. And the, and the, the shame of it is, it's not just my sob story about, it. I didn't like my boss or get along with him. The end result of this thing is the case gets shut down. We make one arrest. We had video and audio evidence of the top leaders in this gang buying and selling drugs and weapon offering murder for hires. And we finally were offered an introduction of our undercovers to the main person who might've been overseas for all we knew, right? That's where Mm -hmm. we were going. Shut down with one arrest, that community still decimated. decimated. So again, it's not a story that, that taxpayers love to hear. Like, yay. uh, You know, (laughs) and how many hundreds of billions of dollars go into that organization? I'm telling you, you know, so tens of billions. But on the flip side, I do like to say, look, I also worked some great operations and uh, operations that were highly successful because of the leaders. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I talk about. You get a couple of really good leaders in the FBI and there was a couple, man, I thought I had out of the box ideas and can, Mm -hmm. you know, work through a system. Some of the best leaders I saw, they're like, Errol, don't you worry about the bureaucracy. I'll take care of that. You just keep come up, keep coming up with your plans. I'll figure out the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you make magic happen. Right. If I had had one of those guys or girls on this operation, who knows what we would have done with it. Right. I did a podcast with Wim Hof. I noticed uh, you talk about, you know, one of the tools that you've been using is the the breath and cold exposure, the breath work, cold exposure of uh, Wim Hof's method. And did you start that when you were at the FBI and go through his training or was that when you were out? That was when I was out. Um, so, so, I was at, yeah. so that became kind of a breakthrough for you in terms of your own self-awareness of your emotional patterns and how they were driving a lot of your behavior. That's interesting. Yes, it yeah. was, it, 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 it was, it was revolutionary and, and fantastic. So the, the Wim Hof method, then I got, <clears throat> I got introduced to it. So I had started leader one, nine, three, and I was doing for a client, Sheldon Walitsky from the stuck group. Uh, I was doing a three day leadership retreat for his, his group. And uh, he calls me one day and he says, hey, I want you to incorporate the Wim Hof method into the weekend. Nice. I'm like, like, what's the Wim Hof method? I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, just call this guy. Brandon Powell was his name and just work it out. 
I said, okay, yeah, no problem. So I called Brandon, we work out the logistics. And I said, man, what, what the hell is this thing? Cause I did a quick study of it and I see somebody in ice and it, it, right. You can appreciate that. You see somebody sitting in a bucket of ice water. You're like, Whoa, what's that? <laughs> I can relate to that a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, it really turned me on. And he was great. We spent an hour or two on the phone as soon as, and he was explaining what it was. And as soon as we hung up, I got on the website, signed up for the 10 week course, online course, which is the first prerequisite to a three stage certification process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just did it initially because I thought this is super cool. I start doing it. I, I swear to God, Mark, this is not no exaggeration. Just from the 10 week, the, the online course, about a week into it, my wife says to me, I'm not sure what this thing is you're doing, but you are never allowed to stop. <laughs> and, right? Crazy. Yeah. And I said, well, okay. I said, I won't. I don't think I'm going to, but why? Now, keep in mind, I had just started a business. I left the FBI, right? All the benefits of leaving government work without the pension and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Three kids and I'm dropping it all. So stress is high. And mm-hmm. she goes, look, the stress is still here. She said, but you're just, seems like you're handling it differently. Like you're acknowledging it, but it's not controlling you. It's not owning you. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, now I understand why, because that breath work re- literally science tells us resets the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Right. And then all, I mean, I'm sure you and I could go speak about just breathing for hours on end, mm-hmm. but that was, that was it. So I started doing it. I enjoyed it. It was helping me personally. Mm-hmm. And then I realized getting into the ice, the ice bath, and then breathing to a certain degree really played such a role in practicing kind of my leadership principles, right? So we talked mm-hmm. about this very first one, emotional awareness and recognition. Mm-hmm. How do you practice something like that, right? right. There's got to be some intention. You've got to understand it, but you'll just forget about it from your day to day. That's right. But you got to habituate it under pressure. That's right. We do with our seal fed training, you know, our, our, our crucibles and sheepdog training. It's just get people to begin the process of breath, you know, working with the breath and, and exposure to, you know, cold and ice and uncomfortable environments. And then just work, keep working, habituating, controlling their arousal response and also their mindfulness so that they can, you know, disconnect from the, the re- negative reactive patterns. That, that's exactly right. what you were experiencing. That's exactly right. And, mm-hmm. and so that's how I use. So when, when we say, how do you practice emotional awareness and recognition, which is basically what you just described. Mm-hmm. Well, here's one thing I can promise you before you step into an ice bath, you're going to have an emotion. You're not going to want to do it. <laughs> <Period>. <laughs> this is stupid. What that's am I stupid. doing? This is BS, right. And you're going to have an emotion when you get in. Yes. Oh, this is, this is more stupid than I thought. So my point is, I started to see that as a tool. So when I'm coaching people to say, look, we've got to work on this for this week. We're going to work on emotional awareness and recognition. You're going to get into the shower, cold shower, the ice bath. And here's your intention. Just recognize your emotion. That will be a place to start the habit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people who buy in and, and I don't, I know I don't have to tell you, you can only help somebody if they're buying in, but the people who buy in, it changes their life too. So that's, I, I started using, I still use it for myself. I still do just straight Wim Hof seminars because I love mm-hmm. them because they're, they're fun. And um, you mean you I'm, teach them? Right? I teach or, them. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, cool. I teach. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I put I them on. Right? You so come people, out here and do one for us. That'd be fun. I tell you, it'd, it'd be great. Yeah. And cause there's the, the breathing technique is much different, right? And I know mm-hmm. you, you're, you're into a lot of the breathing techniques, mm-hmm. but it's that deep aggressive 
right. breathing, right? And it'll bring you to a really weird state fast. And, and just to your point, because I'll take you up on that invitation. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody who can walk you through it, right? Somebody to really mm-hmm. guide you, you always get a better experience. So even mm-hmm. if you don't find me, you know, I'll recommend somebody out right near you to. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to do. I mean, I've done some of the Wim Hof uh, breathing from other certified teachers, and we run a 45-minute breath empowerment at all of our events, which is uh, all nostril breathing, really intense. That that also leads to incredible emotional and intuitive and spiritual responses or breakthroughs. I've never done, uh, and I've done one extended breath work, which is more like holotropic, which is through the mouth with a friend named Dan Brule. He's actually presenting at our Embryo Mind Experience this weekend. But um, I've, I've never gone through the Wim Hof method where I breathe and then get in the ice bath and, you yeah. know what I mean, and yeah. continue the breathing. I know yeah. it works. I mean, he, he get the whole process came from the Tibetan monks and yeah. they had designed it to stay warm in these, you know, wickedly cold Himalayan <laughs> nights, you know. Yeah. But there are stories, I remember reading stories and, you know, I devour every single yoga or Tibetan meditation book I can. I've read multiple stories about, about the monks, you know, basically being outside at night and the, and the ice is all melting around them. It's unbelievable. And they're in just like, a, you know, they're in the robe or, or yeah. a little blanket. And it's all the, the breath, the power of that breath to change your physiology and to affect your immune system and to heal your brain like we were talking about from yeah. earlier with post-medic stress. Breath yeah. is magic medicine and it's free. It is it is the magic medicine, and and you know Wim Wim Hof is very clear on that point because he says I'm not he doesn't make any he doesn't say I'm the first one to do this he says right. everything you just said, but what he does say and he's he's right he's the first one to bring it to science he yeah. finally got the scientist saying Maybe let's start studying this stuff yeah. well yeah here's what here's what happens in your body when this happens and it, it's. It's the remove the reset of the nervous system. So we remove the inflammation. And we all know the inflammation is the key driver to all the, the bad things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Depression, cancer, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Right? We know that is a scientific fact now. And when you can say, let's just do this breathing technique to reset, what what else is there? Right. Mm-hmm. We and, and you people wonder, like, oh, I know this person who uh, exercises, eats right, and even they meditate once in a while and they, they, they got cancer or they died of a heart attack. What's that all about? Well, here's what it's probably about because we're not talking about the physio, the physiology that's pro- probably not being exercised, right? You can't outrun the stress. You can't out exercise the stress. You can't out diet the stress. You can't out meditate the stress, right. but you can out breathe the stress because mm-hmm. it'll reset you. And it's just a whole nother element to our well being. That's, you know, right. especially today. Right? right. I mean, especially today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So let's link this or tie this into your uh, five-step process, right? For, for bringing, you know, effective leadership. You, you call it the, the process, the art, and the science of leadership. So the five steps, if I'm, you know, the emotional self-awareness and, and control, yep. not your words, but mine, yep. and then bringing that into the team. So like the social or team self-awareness. Mm-hmm. 
of their emotional states and how that's affecting things. So right, yeah. just those two alone are transformative for a yeah. team, right? Just that. Yeah. And then three is, uh, you know, strict or, or clear, clearly articulated guidelines for behavior. So you can have that's that right. accountability right. for how people show up and behave. And then a planning process. And I love that you use SMAC because I use the same acronym in my book, Unbeatable Nine. Yeah. And straight out of military playbook. I love that. Yeah. And it's so simple and so effective. Yeah. And then, and then this made me think of Stephen Pressfield, but overcoming the resistance, which is inevitable. Yeah. Right? And he and, talks about that in the, in the war of art. And, 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 and I, that. and that's, that's footnoted, right? I, the yeah. first time you see the word resistance in the book, it's footnoted right to the, the war of art. Nice. So um, let's talk, talk us through that process and, and how you link in, you know, the um, Wim Hof breathing, ice treatment and other, you know, tools that you've come up with. So the, the reason I, when I put the, when I put my thing together, right, just like you did, I'm sure when you're going to start your own thing. What do I believe? Can I articulate it in a, in a true form that, you know, is repeatable and people it's can be learn. grounded in experience. Yeah. It's got, and it's, so I had to sit back and all the things we talked about, right. I just went right. through them. What, what are the common denominators? What was, what were the common denominators and emotional unawareness mm-hmm. was a common denominator cultural unawareness, right? How I acted, right? Culture is, and this is at least how I say it, culture is made up of the things you do, not the labels you put on them, mm-hmm. right? So you can say all you want. We have a culture of excellence. I'm not telling you not to say that. But if you can't tell me the four things you do that create excellence, then I'm going to say you don't have a culture of excellence. Right. You just have a label. So the unawareness of what I was doing based on how I was feeling led to almost all my problems. <laughs> right? right. Exactly. That pretty was, much. That was pretty, pretty much, much say it. that for everybody. Right? <laughs> right. That was it. You know, that was it. So uh, that's right. why I spent so much time on those. And it's, it's an awareness, right? We can, if we are aware of how we're feeling, what we're doing, we can start making the adjustments. Right. And then when we talk about accountability, I used to call this thing, the accountability funnel. I changed the name, but accountability needed to be in there somewhere. Because that's such a big question, right? For people who I work with, how do I hold people accountable? And my answer is, well, have to you, what? To what? <laughs> have you made it clear what they're accountable to? Right. Well, what do you mean? Well, let's just start with behaviors because I'm not going to go into your your widget, right? I'm not going to go into, like when I was in sales, the nine-step sales process. Yes, we were accountable to that. I wanted a bigger theme. What behaviors can we hold people accountable to that will make them better at everything. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's going to be, and that's where the art comes in. That's going to be different for everybody, right? Right. The behavior that you need to get better as an individual is going to be different than my behavior, right? I, you know, I might say I need to act with more courage in my decision making process. Well, you might say, well, I, no, I'm I'm good there, but I, I tend to procrastinate, right? So I need to whatever it is, right? So that's the art. But let's all agree that we need to identify a behavior. And the same thing then holds true for your teams, right? Mm-hmm. If you want people to act a certain way, behave a certain way, you have to tell them what it is. You just have to. And mm-hmm. I know people, the young leaders I work with have a real problem with that. Well, Errol, that's like, I'm a dictator. And no, 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 no. You're the leader. Mm-hmm. You have to define these things for your people. Mm-hmm. A good, strong behavior, whatever it is, based on an awareness of what you're seeing, right? Make it applicable. They'll, they'll like it. Trust me. 
So that was the next part. And then, like you said, smack, the planning process. And I make it very clear because people love smack, right? When I introduce it to them, like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I, I didn't invent it. I just ripped it right out of the SEAL teams. So you can find it anywhere. But, you know, you modify it to everybody's needs. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, if you don't have a plan for everything you're doing, what are you doing? Right? I, you, I mean, when I get when I get done with you and I go downstairs to my kitchen and see my wife and my maniac kids, um, you know, ages seven, six and 18 months. Nice. I better be thinking of a plan when I get down there. What's the situation? Right. The situation is chaos. What's my mission? Alleviate that chaos by pulling one of the kids out. What are my actions? Get down there quick. Tell my wife, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> if awesome. you if you have a plan in everywhere you go and you just make that part of your life, then all of a sudden it just becomes second Let's nature. go through the acronym real quick for yeah. folks. SMAC. So SMAC, situation, set of circumstances, dictating a need for action, right? It could be a problem. It could be an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But if somebody says something to you and your response is, well, what are we going to do about that? You've identified a good situation, right? Mm-hmm. A need to act. It's the most overlooked because mm-hmm. how often? Well, that organiz- sets the intention for why we're, why we're going to do what we do. That's right. That's the backdrop. That's the context. Without context, you know, it's hard to get motivated for a mission. Exactly. And then, yeah. if there is a need to act, mm-hmm. what is your mission? What specifically are you trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. Mark? And again, I know you've seen it in your practice. These are the first two things that are missed in almost every organization that I work mm-hmm. with. People are just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what, are you, what, are you, what is this yeah. working Why are you doing this? Why are you oh, doing because this? Because that's the way we always did it. <laughs> right. Or that's what they told me to do. Right. right. You know? So again, so the situation, mission, actions. If you have a mission, you have to identify which actions uh, are going to need to take place to accomplish that mission. Mm-hmm. Command, right? Command is not, I command you to do this. Command is... Who is in charge of each action? Who is in charge of the mission? Right? One person. So we have to identify who's in command. Contingencies. If you have actions, you have to account for things that can potentially go wrong. Mm-hmm. Just have a pseudo plan in case that happens. If A right. happens, we'll move to B. Mm-hmm. And then communication. Okay, Not the soft skills of communication, which are incredibly important. Mm-hmm. It is when are we communicating? How are we communicating? For how long are we communicating about what are we communicating and who are we communicating with? Okay. That needs to be identified. You do those things, right? And the premise behind it is we use this in the teams. I used it in the FBI. If you do, if you do these things, right? If you make the plan, the plan will either tell you don't go right before you go. It'll say too many contingencies. You can't account for all of them. We're not taking that risk. Good. If you account for these things and you go, you're going to find some success. It's almost guaranteed. You just you just will. So if you do these things to keep people alive and, and achieve victory on the battlefield, I think it's probably good enough for the kitchen table. It's probably good enough for the boardroom, right? Give it a whirl. And everybody overwhelmingly agrees. However, it's a simple concept, super right. difficult to execute. That's right. What what I love about the the planning process like that is it could be a simple you know back of the napkin or one pager for something yep. that's like a uh, a project you know let's say I got a project this week to to hit up or it can be expanded with unbelievable detail you know for for a whole joint venture or launching a new yep. product line or something that's much more detailed and complicated that's same right. framework 
same framework. It never changes. It's right. just, it's difficult. And you've seen it a thousand times, right? You're out patrol with your platoon, mm-hmm. something goes sideways, you know, circle up, reset the security, plan. reset the plan. What's the situation, exactly. right? Whatever no it is. No plan survives contact. <laughs> that's it. So you just, and that's, as, it's as simple as that. So, you know, I bring that, I bring that to uh, the table um, because again, all this other stuff is good, right? Awareness, mm-hmm. cultural, emotional awareness is good. Mm-hmm. Behaviors to accountable, good. But in the end, you have to accomplish things, right? Leaders yeah. accomplish stuff. And to yeah. do that, you need a plan. I, I bet then, your clients are like, finally, we get to take some action here and learn, a, you know, the practical skill because all that emotional stuff is. Whew, yes. Work. Well, you're exactly right. But that's and the most valuable work, you know. It's, okay. it's the, those are the first two weeks when I bring people through my program and I tell them, I go, just get ready for some pain these first couple of weeks, because mm-hmm. it's just about awareness and your emotions. I said, you have to trust me. We're going to get, we're going to put meat on the bone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just, right. we have to start with this stuff. Right. And you know, they get it. And at the end they're like, Hey, you're right. So okay. yeah. get self-awareness, cultural awareness, establishing strong, clear guidelines for behavior. And then the planning smack process. plan, the planning process. And then, yep. Last part is um, preparing or dealing with the resistance that comes up inevitably. And those are the obstacles. Those are the no plan survives contact shit, right? That that and um, that when you start presenting something like this, right? This is new, right? This, this you know, not everybody does what we're talking about here, right? We did in the teams. It's, it's intuitive to you. But what's going to happen, I tell people, is look, you're going to start presenting people with some behavioral guidelines, mm-hmm. things you expect. You're going to start requiring them to make a plan before they act. There's going to be a natural resistance to that. Oh, resistance to the actual Resistance to the leadership right? principles, yes. yes. A, a re- resistance to change in an environment. Yeah. And that's where the science comes in, okay? Because we talk about you know, the neuroscience of how the brain works and how we have X number of thousand thoughts per day and like mm-hmm. 90% of them are the same as the day before. Mm-hmm. So therefore they will be the same tomorrow, yeah. a week from now. And that's how we're hardwiring our brain. Well, we know now we can also rewire our brain, mm-hmm. but it's super difficult. So what I tell leaders that I coach is when you see the resistance to what you're doing, okay, check your process first, make sure you haven't missed something. Cause if you've missed something, that's probably where the resistance is coming from, right? If you, if you haven't made a good plan, if you haven't established good guidelines, go there first, right? If you've done all those things and there's still resistance, understand that you are rewiring people's brains, right? Mm-hmm. Give them a little grace, give them a little patience for the individual leader. I say the same thing, right? You're going to go through this yourself. You're going to make personal changes, Understand you're doing a whole rewiring. It's hard. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some patience. That's the resistance. You're going to find it everywhere now, right? right, your, right. your diet. There are the cookies. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's the, simple as that. That's the resistance to go get that cookie. Just one. Mm-hmm. Ah, you know, you've got to understand. I, I've got a new behavior. I need to work here. That's it. So that's, that's kind of how I identify the resistance. The resistance that you'll find that inhibits self-improvement either as an individual or a team. Nice. Awesome. So the book you, you recently put this out, it's available. Did you self-publish it or did you have a publisher? I did self-publish. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I did self-publish it. So it's on Amazon. Uh, okay. And that's where we get it. The process art and science of leadership. Good job. Very, very solid. I love it. And um, your company is um, leader one, nine, three. That's it. Right. Leader193.com. 
website or that's okay it. so Perfect. Leader one nine three do you have any uh, any other things, any places people can learn about you, any videos on YouTube or social media stuff? Yeah, you know, and we're ramping all that stuff up now. You know, I, I, I found a guy named Mark Devine who's got some real good videos out there. So I'm just ripping up, ripping Go off all it. this shit. <laughs> no, so we're, we're yeah, we, we've got a YouTube channel and, you know, a lot of the videos are, are pretty raw. And, you know, as with any company, we're tightening all that stuff up. We're going to put out a more consistent message. But yeah, on YouTube, everything Leader 193, you find on Instagram, uh, on my website, on YouTube. And you know you can learn about the Wim Hof practice and, and learn about you know what I offer uh, yeah. to folks as well, companies and individuals. So yeah. yeah. Well, let's follow up on that Wim Hof. Either you come out here and, and do something for a few of us or I'll come out there because I'm from you know New York. I'm going to get back there eventually. Well, Mark, look, if now you're going to, now you've done it because I'm going to be like, all right, when are we doing this? I'm going to hang up from this thing. We call it the it's been said rule. (laughs) (laughs) It's been said. Now we got to do it. (laughs) And you said it twice. Twice, Now you're definitely, now you're not getting off the hook. (laughs) All right, buddy. We will definitely do it. I look forward to that. All right, uh, Errol, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for your uh, uh, great insights on leadership and for bringing them out to the world and uh, stay focused and we'll see you around. Hoo-yah. Okay, Mark, thank you. Hoo-yah. All right, buddy. All right, folks, that's it. So yeah, really interesting stuff. I and mean, we went a little long, maybe this will be two podcasts, but really cool. Great insights just to what it's like to be an operator and to, to screw up as a leader in the SEALs. You don't usually hear that because most guys are out there beating their chest about how freaking awesome they are. <laughs> and also FBI, like what a different culture. And then uh, bringing these leadership principles to the you know, to corporations and to leaders. So Errol Dobler, check out his work. And thank you very much for your time and attention today. Stay focused, be safe, and let's get through this, uh, let's get through this year <laughs> with our, uh, our sanity intact. <laughs> hoo divine out. The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.